In a world where people actually watch the stuff their friends recommend, this is I'll Look at Yours If You Look at Mine. Look at that. Those crystals are called beryl. There are pieces of raw emeralds deep inside them. Aren't emeralds worth a lot of money? Sure. But they need to be cut and polished first. When you first become an artist, you're like that rock. You're in a raw, natural state with hidden gems inside. You have to dig down deep and find the emeralds tucked away inside you. And that's just the beginning. Once you've found your gems, you have to polish them. It takes a lot of hard work. Oh, and here's the tricky part. Look at the crack in the geode. Okay. You see that big green crystal there? You could spend years polishing that, and it wouldn't be worth much at all. The smaller crystals are much more valuable, and there may be some even deeper inside that we can't see, which are even more precious. Oh, it's bad to get old. You just keep rambling. I'll shut up now. What if I look inside myself and I don't find any gems? What if I'm just a rock? I'm going to try anyway. I'll write that story and I'll let you be the first to read it. That's the spirit. I'll be looking forward to it. Ma. Harmony, balance, simplicity. Zen. Just a few words that can come to mind when we talk about Japanese art. The minimalism can sometimes be surprising. In reality, the negative space that's left is precisely what generates unique beauty. And this emptiness, which isn't really empty, is the Ma. And if you enjoy Ma, this movie has it in spades. Heck, even Shizuku has a Ma in this movie. And her Ma, come to think of it, is studying for an MA. Easter eggs all the way down. It's bad getting old, you just ramble. Greetings, lookers! Welcome to this edition of I'll Look at Yours If You Look at Mine. The podcast that's one part movie discussion, one part game show where we never know what we're going to watch next. I'll be your host, Ben Mitchell, and you can find me on Twitter and most social media with the handle at RedPenMedia1. Just look for that red pen icon. And uh, welcome to the second episode of Series 10. There will be five episodes in this series, and the series theme is Eastern Animation. Uh, AKA anime, for which we've all secretly submitted one movie, including an audience choice selection. And we all guess who submitted what movie in our Who Done It segment at the end of the series. The winner is awarded a Who Dundee trophy, along with a bonus prize. And this series bonus prize is a $25 gift card and a fantasy sword pen. Displayed very beautifully right there. One of a kind. If you want to submit for the Audience Choice film, go to redhenmedia.com slash audiencechoice, and uh, you can submit in a couple of clicks and a couple of taps on your keyboard. And we may watch your movie. Um, let's see, do we have, still have time? Yes, we do. There is still time to submit your choice. And uh, if we pick it, we'll watch it and uh, 
and the episode will be about your film. Again, that's redheadmedia.com slash audience choice. Today, we'll be discussing Whisper of the Heart, 1995, which is a Japanese animation drama family romance feature film currently streaming on HBO Max. And welcome to this very special episode. Yes, it's time for your wholesome oats, everyone, because today we discuss Whisper of the Heart, a movie with a title so soft and gooey that if you were renting it at a blockbuster back in the day, you'd feel obligated to tuck it between Rambo and the Terminator just to avoid blushing at the register. It's, it's for the kids. Speaking of the kids, I'm not alone in this car ride home from the video store. I've got three unruly boys causing a ruckus in the backseat of the Oldsmobile. I swear I will turn this podcast right back around if you all don't calm down back there. I'm here today with my distinguished co-hosts, who have probably guessed that my threat to turn the podcast around is as empty as they come. And since I can't beat them, there are laws. We better join and their rapscallion monkey shining already in progress. <laughs> hey, gang. Hello. I'm feeling verbose today, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> According to the script, with us today, the provocative one, Mr. Devin Schwartz. The maw is on. Indeed. <laughs> And my good friend, the incendiary, James Pepe. Hey, it's me and uh, Whisper of the Heart, more like Whisper of the Fart, am I right, fellas? Oh, <laughs> that's it, that's it. I'm reaching for the steering wheel. Well, I guess I should have my hands on the wheel of this thing anyway. <laughs> that's it, no more driving hands-free. <laughs> you blew it. Man, so... You you talking about not getting embarrassed at the video store reminded me. I I never had the curse. So this was this was back when video stores not only existed but like yeah there were like family owned family owned chains, and I never had the courage to go into the like saloon doors that were where all the porno movies were. <laughs> <laughs> Hell, when I worked at a video store, that's all a lot of people came in for. But the uh, the local one in my area had a code door lock that you had to go up to the front desk and ask them the code to be able to even get in. Really? Uh, wow. Just to make it extra embarrassing. Yeah, I can't imagine. Wow. Pre-internet days, they were just awful. Jeez. Nowadays, we're just it's so great. Everything's so great. that. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of great, we're also joined <laughs> by the irrepressible gentleman jim scott hey jim hey and greetings general listeners and friends happy to be here before we jump in to talk about the movie let's start off by checking today's headlines extra 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 read all about it okay let's start with mr devin schwartz find anything interesting in the news today yeah, I found a little a little tidbit of a headline here for you. Uh, it says, West Virginia, excited to be briefly discussed for something other than black lung and opioid addiction. <laughs> that's their, yeah, that song is their one claim to fame outside of those other two things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Very good, sir. 
And James Pepe, did you find anything interesting in the headlines? I did. I found uh, I found this. It says, uh, Whisper of the Heart is a classic. Boy meets girl, girl meets boy, girl hates boy, girl meets old man, old man has cat statue. Girl thinks boy is better, boy goes to Italy, girl writes book, girl loves boy story. <laughs> <laughs> yep yep a, cla- a classic one of them i'm a dozen these ones i know yeah it's well they follow the the yeah the basic structure of of a yeah. romantic comedy which includes all the real, those elements real heroes, in real space journey this one. that's right the dark night <laughs> yeah, of the soul right. it's all there <laughs> all the classic elements yeah, yeah. <laughs> especially moon the cat <laughs> you can never oh, forget yeah. that you won't get a theater run without Moon. That's for sure. Go straight, straight to TV. Okay, so there's another headline we need to check in on. Um, Jim Scott, what did you find in the news today? Yeah, so I found an interesting article about the movie, and it goes like this. Cramped, cluttered apartments. People always on the verge of being late. A kid out of touch with their chores. This is what happens when an American test audience answers what is real in the life of a Japanese teen. <laughs> I bought it. Jeez. No, you could be onto something. <laughs> this, that's kind of how I imagined it. Yeah. They're just like us. Right, exactly. Except for some reason you have to like test to get into your high school or something. I don't quite understand that. High school's like college there. <laughs> right, yeah. It's highly competitive. Yeah, yeah. High, high schooly competitive. Well said, yeah, sir. Yeah, I'll be here all week. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm tipping my waiter right now. <laughs> yeah, right. Don't try the veal. She didn't just yet. Yeah. Been triggered to grab my wallet and tip my server. <laughs> all right. Well, let's give a little context to this before we get too far along. And by that, I mean we're going to do a little something I like to call the rundown. When do you need that rundown by? As soon as possible. Okay. Just get it right. Yeah. Gotcha. Of course. I'm going to dive in to the rundown. I'll be exhausted because it's like a triathlon. Did you want to close this? Our boss, Charles Miner, just demanded a rundown. And... Jim from the office just handed the dossier to Mr. Devin Schwartz. So let's see what he has for us on... Whisper of the Heart. Take it away, Devin. Uh, yeah, so there's a lot a lot about this film out there. Um, just to start out, it is, as we said, a uh, romance. Uh, I think Wikipedia lists it as a musical, which I might balk huh. at. Yes, there is music in it. I, I guess it <laughs> raises the question of what, is a, what makes a musical a musical, but I don't know if this would really count. But uh, yeah. sure, musical coming of age, romantic drama film. It's fitting a lot into a small package. Um, it uh, was written by Hao Miyazaki and based on a manga by the same name written in 1989 uh, by Ao Haragi. I might get a lot of these names wrong, just a fair warning. Uh it was also directed by Yoshifumi Kondo, who was in 1998 to, uh, expected to replace uh, Miyazaki and Isao uh, Takahata, which were the two leading men at Ghibli before then. He was expected to be their sort of successor and take over uh, direct, you know, direct, directing the films, but unfortunately uh, met an untimely death uh, at the hands of an aneurysm 
just the same year this movie came out uh, at only 47 years old. So it's amazing that he was designed to replace them, and yet uh, they would both continue to make films for quite a while. Uh, Isao Takahata would eventually, um, you know, work on them less and less. But uh, as we know, Haomizaki is still to this day directing and writing films for the studio. So, uh, yeah, um, that that was surprising. Just can't quit. You must love it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Although the death there was a of Kondo, sorry, the death of Kondo was the first thing that kind of. I don't know if it triggered him, but it inspired him to want to retire the first of many times that he's retired throughout the years. Oh, yeah, of course. I, I imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a sequel spinoff film based on the Baron character was produced in 2002. Um, I have not heard much about it uh, from from my reading, so I don't know if it was critically uh, loved. Uh, the All the information, it still shows Japanese titles and uh, name, so I think maybe it was never translated, perhaps, or never, never dubbed into English, which may have... Yeah, it was. The cat oh, it was? Oh, okay. cat it's alright. Yeah, cat returns. It's alright. <laughs> no, it's good that they... It's an interesting... Uh, interesting that they took the kind of a theme from this movie and then turned it into another movie. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um... It has a 7.9 on IMDb, which is, I think, fairly low for a Ghibli movie. Um, uh, I, high, for, I, high for IMDb. Yeah, high IMDb for in general, yeah, yeah. But I, I would I would guess that a lot of Studio Ghibli are, are a bit higher than that, but I, I, have not, I cannot back that up with research. Um, and on the old Tom Addo Metter, uh, it has 94%. Uh, from the critics only 18 reviews though which is a low fairly low number um also for some reason it has 2500 plus audience ratings but no official audience score that's uh, i don't know what why yeah i don't know why that is if there's something that someone has to manually do and it just hasn't Devin, been done but uh yeah what was the name of of the meta again <laughs> uh the tom addo meta yeah i think that's how you pronounce good. it i've never okay. seen this word yeah, before yes. that checks out yeah, yeah. Uh, some right. guy named Tom Addo uh, met a woman at some point. Yeah, yeah Tom Addo right. met her, and, and to, you know, the rest is history. It's how these things happen. <laughs> uh, but let's move on to the fun part, the part you're all here for. <laughs> right? Uh, let's get me out of this bit. The Rundown Recreation. All right. Looks like maybe there's a good time for me Whoops, to take my shirt get... off. Get out of here, Matthew McConaughey. Real problem with him in Colombo. Uh, today on Run and Recreation. Ooh, what do we got? We've got the trivia the twister. Uh, this is just some some basic trivia with a twist, as always. Uh, there will be these questions. Most of them, at least, will have some secondary answers where you can win some bonus points if you know just a little more about this here film. Uh, we are going to be using our buzzers for this trivia. First to buzz in with the correct answer gets the point. And if the person with the correct answer cannot answer the bonus question uh, that will be included in three of these four, um, they someone else can buzz in with the bonus answer to snag that bonus point away from them. Uh, so let's get started. Is everyone ready with their buzzers? Ready to go. Okay, so question number one. The song Take Me Home Country Road was played a number of times during the film. Who recorded the iconic original version of that song? And for a bonus point, which artist performed the version played in this film? Ben, I saw you buzzing first. Well, I know John Denver was the artist that originally did Country Road, but I do not remember. 
I remember reading something about who did it, but I do not remember who did it. So no bonus point, I guess. All right, one point for John Denver. Does anyone want to snag that bonus point? Who recorded the version in this film? Specifically, the one that's played over the opening credits. I don't know. Okay, time's up. That was Olivia Newton-John. A Whoa. very nice oh, rendition wow. by Olivia Newton-John. Yeah. Huh. All right. Moving right along. Yeah. Uh, number two. This film was the ninth produced by legendary studio Ghibli and only the fifth worked on by Hao Miyazaki. What was the previous film made by Miyazaki in this lineup? And for a bonus point, name any of the four films he did not work on. Oh, oh, Pepe. I'm going to say Nausicaa was the one before this. That is incorrect. Oh. Anybody else? Going once. Going twice. Can anyone name a movie made before this that was not worked on by Miyazaki? Just the bonus question. Princess Mononoke. Princess Mononoke. Uh, That... I believe was made after this. That was the next ah, film crap. made by it. Okay. It's not made before. Uh, I knew it was Pepper. around that time. <laughs> uh, that was that was also also after. made after this. Yes, really? <laughs> sure. sure. Oh, yeah, man. the answers were uh, the previous film worked on by Miyazaki was Porco Rosso, and the four films That's not right. worked on by him were Grave of the Fireflies, Only Yesterday, Ocean Waves, and Pom Poco. He didn't work on Pom. Oh, man. yeah, that, that was the same that. reaction I had. The other ones I get yeah. Pom Poco. I would have assumed it was it, he was involved. Uh, that was uh, Isao Takata and Toshio Suzuki producing, um, but uh, Takata wrote and directed. Um, I, I haven't gotten up the courage to watch Grave of the Fireflies yet. <laughs> Perhaps it'll come up in this uh, in this series. Um, all right, next question. This one is just a multiple choice. Actually, for this one, let's have you all answer uh, since it is multiple choice. So that lower third ready. Um, and okay. the question is, and there is no bonus for this one. In the film, Shizuki, uh, Shizuku sorry, writes a cover of Country Roads as well as a parody called Concrete Roads. Which of these events was that cover written for? A, middle school graduation. B, junior high school graduation. C, a school festival, or D, a talent show? Once more, that is A, middle school graduation, B, junior high school graduation, C, a school festival, or D, a talent show? Okay, I'm dinging in that I got my answer written down. All right, is everyone else ready to reveal their answers? Yep. All right, reveal your answers. Okay, I went with A, middle school graduation. All right, we have one for middle school graduation, and it looks like Pepe and Jim uh, both agree that D, talent show, is the answer. The correct answer, guessed by no one, was junior high school graduation. (laughs) Dang it, I knew it was one of the two. So close. I guess that tracks, and she's, like, studying to get into high school. Yeah, I don't think they actually have anything they call middle school in Japan. I could be wrong on that, but I believe it is just elementary to junior. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. 
All right, final question. This will be back to the ding-in uh, option. I, I think this is the hardest question, personally, but perhaps it will prove not to be. Um, you guys haven't done great so far, I, won't, uh, I will admit. <laughs> <laughs> Number four, in, in the English dub of this film, we hear a familiar voice. They were a side character in this film, but a lead in another we watched not too long ago. For a point, name that actor. For, a, for two bonus points, what is the full name of both characters that they play? Okay, so I'm not sure I remember the whole question, but I think the answer is Carrie Owens. It is Carrie Owens. Yeah, yeah. What was the rest of the question? Uh, can you name the full name of both characters they play in the two films? That's tough. So, well, okay. So in Princess Bride, he was the Dread Pirate Roberts. AKA or, uh, Wesley. He, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. That's the and, easy one. What, in this in this movie, yes. what was his name? What is his full name? Oh, jeez. Well, Baron <laughs> something or other, I guess. See, that's, that's it. where it gets you. I'll give you, yeah. I'll give you a bonus point. I got, yeah, I got it. His full name is Baron Humpert von Gickingen. Oh, it was on the tip of my tongue. I'll give you a point for the question and one bonus point for the... Like, I had that points. tattooed on my thigh. Why didn't I just look? It's <laughs> yeah, a real memento situation. Next to my spirited yeah, away yeah. tattoo and my Howl's Moving Castle tattoo. Oh man. <laughs> uh, that does it for the rundown recreation. Oh, All right. Yay. Did we have a tie? No, Pepe, you won? Pepe got two. Yeah. You did. Nice job. And he, Yay, you continue to lead the pack. Two points. Could make all the difference in the world and getting that fantasy <laughs> sword pen. Oh man, I'm so I can taste. It. Yep, I can taste that fantasy sword. <laughs> Think of all the. I mean, I I know I mentioned this before, but it's going to spawn so many uh, discussions in your philosophy classes about whether or not the pen is mightier because it is a sword and a pen. <laughs> Mine's will be yeah, blown. True. Yeah. <laughs> At least the undergrads. That you teach. <laughs> oh man, don't make me start on the undergrads. <laughs> Excellent. Okay, topic for another day. It sounds like there's some some stuff there to talk about, though. All right. Okay. We we've done. We've gathered our points and uh, girded ourselves for a great discussion. However, we do need to figure out who done it. Oh yeah. We have reached the segment where we guess and reveal who is responsible for this week's submission. Winner with the most correct guesses at the end of this series will win a Who Dundee Award. And our current suspects include, and I hope I have this right, correct me if I'm wrong, myself, Ben, Devin, James Pepe, or Audience Choice. And uh, the person who will guess first will be our uh, current reigning champ from last series, Jim Scott. So who do you think done it, Jim? Ben Chu, I pick you, Pikachu. I think this is your submission. Any reason why? Or are you just going with instinct this time? Um, it, the subject matter, I mean, it's uh, like a sweet... 
you know, it's, it's a sweet tale. Um, some of the concepts that they use, like the Baron, you know, the fantastical um, things in the in the uh, you know in, in the movie. I just think that it's it's either you or audience choice, one or the other. So, but I think it leans more towards you. Okay. Yeah, I was going to go with audience choice because um, I don't think it's Pepe's or Devin's. And so I'll, I'll make my vote audience choice. Devin, who do you think done it? Uh, yeah, I'm on the same page as Jim there. I do think it is either you or audience. I've been kind of going back and forth. Um, I know that this is uh, sort of a like... You know, it's it's like right on the fringes between the sort of unloved Ghibli movies and the loved Ghibli movies. You know, it's like there's a it definitely has a crowd um, and I could see someone wanting to submit it because they would think maybe we wouldn't talk about it. But the subject matter, as Jim said, does seem very up Ben's alley, um, sort of a, a, you know, nice coming of age story that is, you know, fairly conflict free, mostly just about like inner conflict. Um so I think I'm going to go with you, Ben, just because the audience is so hard to pin down. I'm going to go with the firmer decision of you. You're dead wrong again, but I appreciate your solid reasoning as always. Uh, James uh, Pepe, not a doctor yet. I had to stop myself there. James Pepe, you'll get there soon enough. But uh, right now, can you use your uh, cute uh, reasoning skills to figure out who done it? Man, sometimes my students call me professor. I'm just like, don't, don't, <laughs> not, not yet. Um, my dad's name is professor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna guess you also, Ben. Uh, this Whoa. is a, Jeez. this is a story about two, two. Well, this is a story about uh, a young writer, which is what you are. Um, I was who, once. <laughs> like, has to. <laughs> Um, who has to find her like inner courage to write the story that lives lives within, you know, um, her heart. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which is whispering the, the the whisper of her heart or her. That's right. Her, okay, yeah. <laughs> Might as well uh, have yeah. fun with it. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So this <laughs> this um, I think uh, yeah. So for those reasons, I think this is yours. So if I'm correct in in my uh, basic counting skills here, that's three votes that I did it and one vote, my vote, for audience choice. So yeah. I guess we'll find out. Okay. Did I done it or did I not done it and get the only point for today and take a commanding lead? Uh, let's find out right now. That is correct. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. It was me. <laughs> yeah, of course it was. <laughs> yeah. Did anyone remember me mentioning this movie before? <laughs> no, oh, actually. No. Did you? Did you mention it? No. Yeah. I've I've mentioned it um in passing. Not, not I didn't want to like leave too many breadcrumbs, but I have talked about this movie. <laughs> yeah. So I guess now that we know who done it. Oh, and yeah, we're all tied. Look at that. Has this ever yeah. happened before? Uh, let me switch no, back sure to my at points some now. Seems unusual, oh, yeah, but right. uh, we're four-way tie. We all have one. There we go. Uh, yes, right. it happened in, in Series 3. Sorry, Series 3, black and white. Uh, the exact same configuration. Ben, you got it right first, 
and then me, Jim, and Pepe got it right second. Oh, that was when Cat was on the show, though, so technically it was not a full tie, but it was a four-way tie between the four of us. Well, they do say when a cat walks past that they've uh, done something to like change the matrix, so there may be something going yeah. on here that we need to investigate. <laughs> uh, will all co-hosts, let me read my line, will all co-hosts make sure that your scores are accurate, please? And it looks like we're, oh, I think I have a little frozen screen, so that should, but we are all at one point. Uh, and that leads me to say my next line, which is now that we know who done it, it's time to ask why done it. Yes, whisper of the heart. Uh, this is one of the reasons I wanted to do this podcast in the first place guys because uh, no one ever has seen this fucking movie and i think that oh, um people who are like artists and creative types would really draw similar inspiration from this than i have over the years um and it's kind of like a fly under the radar movie um and it kind of it it's it's i i imagine that part of the reason is because of the title um, it's like the most non-cynical title ever, uh, and it's probably kept the movie from being viewed uh, much more often with the other Ghibli catalog. Uh, that's that's one theory. But uh, as I mentioned before, and Pepe was kind of alluding to this, I think, uh, back in seventh grade, my friend and I made an attempt to write a novel. His grandma was a best-selling author, Willow Davis Roberts. Uh, one of her books uh, is The Girl with Silver Eyes, Don't Forget. Uh, Margie or something like that. She did a whole slew of books that were all bestsellers. So we got inspired to do this thing, right? And we put in kind of a similar amount of effort to what unfolded in this movie. And so I think everyone can get some good stuff in this movie, but I also readily admit that it's almost like tailor-made to reflect my own personal experience at this age. So when I, when I happened upon it, it was like, dude, this is like basically me in a skirt. And and so it's been a beloved film of mine. It's probably one of those movies that I would uh, Desert Island film. It's one of the movies I'll throw on in the background if I'm feeling anxious or just need something in the background or or just need a little inspiration, you know, to keep at it, you know, to keep going along. So, yeah, that's why I chose it. I wanted to share it. I'm very curious what you guys thought. Um, we always have varied opinions and um, I've gotten a lot of this movie, but I imagine that um during our discussion we'll probably uh i'll probably get some more stuff out of it some new stuff i'm hoping uh yeah so i am curious who's seen it of course i've seen it many times had any of you guys seen this one i had not seen it i only vaguely heard of it when looking at like lists of ghibli movies but i uh, had not ever sat down to watch it or pulled the trigger huh how about I... you james pepe I hadn't, I had, I actually saw Cat Returns and not this oh. one. So I'd seen, I've seen Cat Returns, but I'd never seen this one. I bet that's common because Cat Returns is more of a typical Ghibli movie and this one's kind of a little bit different. Yeah, Cat Returns is a, like more of a like adventure, adventure right. movie too. So it's right. a little bit more of a, a crowd pleaser, although I, I, mean, I don't know. It's like an Alice in Wonderland type of tale almost. It's, it's, yeah, it's a fun one. Yeah, right. For anyone who hasn't seen it. And Jim Scott, I can't imagine you've seen this one. No, and I can pretty much imagine that most of the, or pretty much all the movies that get selected, I haven't seen before. 
but this one included. I hadn't even heard of it. Cool. Okay. Well, let the experiment commence then. 30,000 feet. Uh, <laughs> did you love it? Did you hate it? Were you lukewarm on it? Anyone has strong opinions? Jump out there and, and say something and we'll kick off the discussion. Um, I'll, I'll start. Sure. There were a lot of, there were a lot of cute moments. Definitely. But overall, uh, and I don't want to offend anybody, but it's the most succinct kind of uh, explanation is that this movie kind of just felt like either four kids or a little bit like uh, like a what they would term a chick flick. I don't know if there's a better term now, you know. Um, and I, that's just not a type of genre that I'm, that I'm into. So yeah, it, it didn't really like some of the beats. I, I they just kind of miss me. But one thing that I'm in, 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 interested in is your, when you mentioned Ma, like I wasn't really looking for philosophical concepts or deeper concepts beyond, you know, the obvious. So it would be interesting to explore that because that la I largely missed that. So, well, sure. In this case, it would be a lot of just like the setting of being in Japan. And I, I think it was Tokyo, if I'm not mistaken, um, which is the biggest city in the world. And uh, I think it has like 30 over 35 million people or something. And so it's just a lot of the a lot of those quiet, reflective moments where she's just kind of looking out over and taking it in or the trains going by, you know, or, you know, following the cat around may have may have been that. Devin, that that actually reminds me, you're you're someone who actually wants to actually move to Japan. So how did this hit you as far as like that sort of you know, taking you on a journey to that place? Did it did it strike you in that way or are you kind of feeling more like where Jim, Jim Scott was coming from, where it just kind of missed you. Uh, no, I, I was shocked by how much I enjoyed this movie. Uh, being one of the uh, much less fantastical uh, Studio Ghibli movies, having, you know, yes. other than her fantasy sequences, having no real, uh, uh, you know, fictional elements, you know, or, you know the, uh, fantastic elements. Um, I was very surprised by how much I liked it. Again, much like you, I think it was sort of tailor-made for me, so it's hard mm -hmm. to call it objectively good because I also That's right. was very into writing stories as a child, and I also am very interested in Japan and Tokyo, and even particularly the way Studio Ghibli represents, like, urban sprawls, like the way I they knew, draw urban landscapes. Yeah, yeah, it's it's so appealing to me, and you don't actually in a lot of my favorite Ghibli movies, you actually don't get much of that because it's more fantasy focused. So, like Spirit Away, the most you ever get is just the bathhouse itself, and it's sort of, or you know, it's almost like a city built into a single building. Um, but you don't get a lot of those like sprawling urban landscapes, which are, are really some incredible. Of the, best the way they draw them is so They're rich, so beautiful yeah. in this film that you just yeah, want to get swallowed up. But when she's like goes through that door for the first time. To, to go down the stairs, you know, to see kind of like how their house is. And it's like just looking over the entire valley. And it just pauses there for a minute. And the camera drifts up and over across this like, like huge matte painting, you know. 
Yeah, it's. I mean, yeah, it's a beautiful, beautiful movie as all as all Ghibli movies are. Sure. Um, sure. But then, even beyond just the stuff that appealed to me uh, directly, the idea, the like idea of a love story that isn't just about a girl falling for a guy and his whole life is about the guy or her whole life is about the guy. Um, it being about like personal endeavors and like creativity and like the, the message of the film basically being that like you shouldn't sacrifice who you are for somebody else. And like, you should, you know, encourage each other to pursue your own goals. I mean that I've never seen that in a Western romance story in my entire life from childhood to now, I've never seen a story about two people in a relationship uplifting each other instead of relying on each other in some kind of like, it's refreshing, isn't it? yeah, it's incredible. For me, yeah, it, it is amazing. It for me, it's refreshing, and it's just um, I can totally relate to feeling that way at this age, where I was just like really driven by wanting to do something outside of the norm, you know. And so it was it was unique in both ways for me. Um, but we haven't heard from James Pepe. I I really like this movie, <laughs> so I'm in the the like it camp. Um, Excellent. Yeah, I mean this. <laughs> excuse me. This movie, um, yeah, it had like a much. It had like a big uh, emotional impact on me, more than I was expecting. That's great. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I think I watched it. I probably. We got set back a little bit on watching this. So I think I, I was probably watching it around um, my birthday. And so pe- uh, people might remember that, like, I recently moved to St. Louis. Um, and so I think this is, like, one of two birthdays, maybe, when I, like, haven't had my family around. Oh, yeah. Because I've always lived, you know, relatively close to my family. Yeah, yeah, you're very close to your family. Um, yeah, yeah. And... And also just like the themes too, because um, like you guys might not know this, but philosophy isn't like a lucrative business, <laughs> right? And what? so, um, yeah, yeah, I know, I know. So, um, I mean, you know, uh, I'm not like carving violins out here or anything, but I'm not making no. those big violin bucks. <laughs> right, yeah, <laughs> so, exactly. But yeah, I mean, like just sort of what you guys were talking about, it's like, it's an alternative, it's a sort of like, I'm going to say it's sort of like doing art. I mean, philosophy, the people who, who are listening and are philosophers are like, don't say philosophy is an art because it's not. But it is similar in that, um, you know, people aren't pounding down your door and it's a hard business to make it in, you know. Um, yeah. No, you really got to so, put yourself you know, out there. It's similar in that regard. Yeah, I mean, yeah. the, theme, the theme does apply outside of just becoming an artisan, you know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so so those things so so those things kind of combined like just being away from home, um, close to my birthday, uh, and starting this new sort of like um, important like chapter in in my life doing philosophy. Um, we're all just like really resonant with this what was going on in this in this movie. So so would you say the movie found you at a good time, or was it? So it was like a positive effect because you like it, I'm assuming, but I don't want to like speak for you. No, seems like the timing may have been important or something from what you're saying. That's, that's where, well, I mean, it, it was important. I mean, I, I like, I like this movie a lot. This was the, this was the first time I've seen it. 
So maybe, I mean, it's possible that if I had seen it at some different time that I wouldn't have liked it a lot. But I think now, like having the, like that being the first impression of this movie, um, will just sort of cement it in my mind as a movie that I like. And I was actually when I was when I was going in to watch it because I hadn't seen it before. My I talked to my sister about it, and she's seen a lot of a lot of the Ghibli movies that I haven't seen. And she was like, "Oh, that's one of the boring ones. I don't like it very much." You know? And I was like, uh, "I was she's like, she's an uh-oh. artist." What am I? Imp- I know, I know. I I don't I don't know why she. Yeah, I I don't know why she. Maybe because it's a love story, and that's just sort of not not her scene. But yeah, um, yeah, I, yeah. So I also had sort of like lowered expectations. So my expectations were more than met, and. You know, it's a Ghibli movie, so it's just like it's fucking, it's beautiful. They do it well. The they do what great. they do well. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's perfect. You know, you know, I don't know if this is like a fact, but I feel like this movie, if it didn't kick off the genre of just like, um, you know, slice of life anime, it at least like bolstered it as a as a genre that was popular there and i really like this type of slice of life movie more than the fantastical anime probably two to one i'll watch stuff that's just about life in japan and here's like this family struggling with this thing and here's this guy that wants to achieve this goal like one of them was a a guy who plays i think it's called shugu or something it's like the japanese version of chess and it's like just basically follows his exploits as a chess player, as a professional chess player, and the, and the life balances is like one of my favorite animes, and it's and it, I feel like I can draw a line from that from this movie to these ones that are now still coming out and that I'm still enjoying enjoying now. To but yeah, I, I yeah I think that's a great I think that's a great point, but um, just to finish answering your question. Oh, sorry. I do really like this movie, but but after having watched it, I actually felt sort of sad. Um, yeah, like it right. Made, it That's a, right. It you mentioned like a, that. It made me kind of sad. Yeah, and it's not so, a super I mean, sad ending, though. So I was I was curious about it, but I was like I couldn't ask you about it at the time. So yeah, please do yeah, explain. Right. Well, I mean, it's sort of. Uh, I mean, it sort of gives you the like, uh, like singles awareness day you know like thing on valentine's day you know so like it's a love story you don't you don't have like a significant other which is the situation that i'm in now but also just like you know that and you're girl, in a new place and stuff movie, yeah i can see that yeah yeah the girl in the movie was like so supported by her family like that scene where oh they, my god like, right all those scenes where they had like that was not me though. like come we're gonna talk about this <laughs> oh my god yeah that for me was just like oh yeah, I wish my yeah. family was like that <laughs> Yeah, and so, um, but I am, like, meeting a lot of new people, and, like, um, the people that I met here, um, or a a lot of the people that I met here, like, we became such fast friends, they, like, uh, they're super into movies, too, and they were like, do you have a letterbox? And I was like, yeah, I have a letterbox. You have a letterbox? They're like, let's let's do letterbox together, you know? And so, um, yeah, I just found a lot of, like, kindred spirits here. That's rad. Um, yeah, and so it was sort of like, you know, it just, it had a, I, I wouldn't say I like, I, the movie has a happy ending, but I wouldn't say it like affected me. It didn't like raise my, it didn't, it didn't make me come out feeling like happy, but I wasn't like, right. 
But it wasn't uh, upset. You didn't that walk I was away. Sad yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was cathartic. Maybe I don't know. There's there's an aspect of that in a You're lot thinking of about that. Let me know if I'm wrong. Yeah. I, I find that like there's a lot of uh, endings that are, are objectively happy endings, but leave you with sort of a it's it's sort of an undescribable feeling. I don't know if I felt it anywhere except this wasn't, Studio Ghibli movies specifically. This wasn't the big American lift at the end. That's for sure. It, it yeah. felt kind of nostalgic yeah, they, they, and bittersweet. And, you know, so maybe I, I can see those elements. There's also there's always just some kind of like baseline like feeling with ghibli movies that i still can't i tr have trouble putting my finger on what like how to describe it it's just it's yeah, just kind of like nostalgia is a good word for it which is weird because it's like again i didn't like grow up with studio ghibli or anything it's not like i'm i'm feeling literal nostalgia for this movie that i've seen as a child it's just like a nostalgia for like being a child it's like you're in it's like nostalgia right. for your entire childhood and it's hitting you all at once and it's like very emotional as it kind of collides with you because it's like you just sort of miss being a child and uh yeah, yeah it's hard to capture yeah, that in children's it. media like when you watch toy story it's not going to make you like wish you were a child that's not the intended feeling i mean even even a, a, a disney movie or a pixar movie that's about a child like uh, i don't know lilo and stitch or something like you're not going to watch that and and really be like yeah that was what my childhood was like me and my friend alien it was an alien like there's something about studio Ghibli movies that despite <laughs> despite being so fantastical often like feel very relatable it's like deeply relatable in this way that's like impossible to describe because you didn't grow up in japan or you know go to a, a bathhouse for ghosts it's just like yeah it and feels also, right it feels accurate as bizarre as that is that they're somehow like very well rooted in something that feels very real and fleshed out no matter what world they're presenting yeah. you know and different too there's a lot of variation from film to film so yeah, they've definitely yeah, absolutely. hitting on something there. Yeah, I think with the the childhood nostalgia, like when when you're coming of age, it's just that carries such a big amount of space in your head, those formative years. So I think that's probably why these types of coming of age films appeal to me. It's just like it, it does take you back to this kind of interested where everything was still new these you know you're not a kid anymore you're not quite an adult but you're experiencing all these new things for the first time you know uh you know flirting and uh, that kind of stuff and you have your ambitions and such so yeah it just kind of hits on that stuff this film does remind me of cat's absence though because uh, i would have really loved to hear what she thought about this one um in fact i was thinking she really ought to come back for a bonus episode of this series where we uh, call it the cat returns it could be like a paywall. So. <laughs> yes, excellent. Yeah, <laughs> paywall. Put that talk. We'll talk to her people. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, they spent a lot of time with not just um, kind of like the the first the mystery of finding out who's checking out the books, which I thought was really just a cute uh, like way to put them together, and and I loved his reveal about how he was trying to get her attention forever and. The only thing that worked was to just check out a bunch of books before her. Uh, I thought that was unique. I hadn't seen that before. Um, but they spent a lot of time with kind of her mentor, which was uh, which was the grandfather. Uh, and it led up Master to. Rishi. Yeah. It, that guy look, he looks like. Master right. Rishi. Yeah. Anime is like that sometimes. 
they have like <laughs> certain like looks that translate from movie to movie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it led up to what may be my favorite midpoint moment of all time, and that's and the and the way they built up organically to singing country roads together in such a fun and organic moment there it was just beautiful and i'm always just like i always get drawn into that and i'm uplifted by watching that sequence it's such a fun sequence that um i think that if you looked at this movie up online inevitably that sequence will probably jump to the top of the list where they where they all it's play what they're playing on imdb right now literally i just tabbed over to imdb it's what they're playing on the imdb page is that there scene. you go yeah so how did that since it's such a big moment for me, I'm curious how how that caught you guys. Just the whole, I, I just fucking love that store and the shop and how the grandpa has his little musical friends and they come in and start. It just seems like something that would totally happen, you know. But, but what did you guys think of that? Did that stand out for you? Let's start there. Uh, I mean, yeah, definitely. I think I don't know if that scene literally brought me to tears, but it certainly brought me close. It's like, yeah, it's such a sweet moment. And it's it, another thing that I, I thought about this movie afterward was that Studio Ghibli, maybe it's just a blind spot that I have, but I never feel that Studio Ghibli gets saccharine. Uh, I know we like to we like to use that word yeah, here. Right. No, they I, walk I that never line. get the feeling that it's saccharine. Yeah, it's like it gets right up as, as sweet as you can get without getting over overly. So that's right. That's right. And I like to think that the title in the original language was walked that line a little better than the title in the English language. Because Whisper of the Heart is like telling people what one of yeah. my favorite movies is called Whisper of the Heart is, is a burden I have to bear. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just say that. <laughs> but yeah, I love the, and then the whole, I, the whole time with that mentor is just, I love that. It's all just stuff like, yes, inspire me. Tell me how I need to keep at this. You know, it's, it's almost like my mentor. It's the reason why this movie was kind of a North Star for me throughout my artistic career so far. I just I can always turn back to this and and have kind of a basis to spring forward off of because of it. And uh, I love the the amount of storytelling that goes into that damned cat where she comes up with her story and then he tells the real story and they're both interesting stories. And his story is just heartbreaking and it has to do and then they have that story about the clock it's just so rich I, I you know i can just watch it again and again and just get lost in these beautiful little details of the world yeah yeah you know um so I, this was this was one of the things that i i'll tell you guys one of the things that i didn't like about it and i'll see see how it how it hits you guys Sure, because so these things the do things, exist. Um, yeah, so like one of the things that I didn't like about it was um, was that for a lot of the movie, um, I I I didn't have it in my head that these characters were essentially like fourteen, right? Like she's she's thirteen or fourteen, and he's maybe. 14 or 15 or something like something that. Something like yeah. that, yeah. Yeah. Um, and at the end of the movie, I so, so, something made me remember that, oh, okay, like this girl is 14, this guy is like 14 or 15. And I just thought to myself, like, because at the end of the movie, she like she's riding on that guy's bike and she like yes. puts her head in his back and she's like, oh, I'm in love, you know. 
You're right. And I was just like, no, you're not. You're stupid. <laughs> like, well, sure. Yeah. Kid. Like, this yeah, isn't of course gonna, it is like, like that. This isn't gonna, this isn't gonna last, you know, like, God, like I, so that was one of the things. But the possibilities on their side is, like. are endless, right? Well, yeah. I mean, it's not a, it's not like a, it's not like a technical problem with the movie, right? It doesn't have yeah, to do yeah. with the story. It's just like, okay. it's just like a, it's almost like dramatic. You feel irony, bad for them right? or something? Like, yeah. Yeah, like I know something that the characters don't. That like sure. this relationship most likely is not going to last and is going to be, you know, they're going to have a, a breakup and it's going to be terrible. <laughs> if you're an adult but, but watching I mean, I, this, you are in a superior uh, mode of, of information there. Like You do, do have that over the yeah. characters because you know that, that, yeah, that stuff doesn't last. But on that side of it, yeah, yeah, it's just the world is your oyster, the horizon is endless, right? And so, yeah, I yeah. guess that could, I guess that could explain why, why you kind of get that a little bit of sadness in there too, right? Because looking back at it as an yeah, adult, you do see good, those flaws. Yeah, that's a good point. And, and you kind of mourn for that kind of feeling because you know once that innocence is lost, you never like go so blindly into a, a like, <laughs> right. falling for someone again, right? Am I right, guys? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean those young relationships like you know it's like they burn hot and fast. It's like yes. it is it is maybe the most emotion you will ever feel in a relationship and for the shortest amount of time probably. You know, it's like the it, most man. misplaced emotions, but yeah, yes, it is like right. that is the <laughs> yeah. strongest you'll ever feel. Like adult relationships are nothing like, you know, teenage relationships at all it's like it's about you know finding a balance between two lives that's like what an adult relationship is about and that's not fun yeah, i'm sure like that's not as that's no, not nearly as fun as like these two <laughs> kids who have nothing to do at all and just can spend you know eight hours a day together kissing and and you know whatever they want like it's a totally Staring different thing deeply into each other's eyes and dreaming of future yeah, yeah that we are we privy to that will probably never come to pass yeah um yeah so maybe i mean maybe you're right maybe i shouldn't like level that as a criticism of the movie but it was one of the things that's oh, a good point though it was one of the it was one of the reasons that like the the movie like sort of left me a little a little sad at the end you know i think you i think you really hit the nail there that that's because i i didn't disagree with you but i was like why is that though you know and i think that really does explain it yeah because you're you're literally like in a way mourning for your own innocence at the end there you know right yeah 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 and i mean the i mean it's it's probably more a product of like how well drawn the characters are and how good the movie is is that you're like you you can totally like you can put yourself in the in the position and it like calls up your own experiences right and it, and it like forces you to like reflect and uh yeah you like <laughs> you, you you see them at this like peak and of course, like he he end like the movie ends there, right? At like the yes. height of the emotional, you know, uh, I don't know, scale or whatever, right? Yeah, and then right. You, but you also know that it's like, yeah, well, if you're at the peak, that means there's only fight. You, you're only forever chasing the dragon after that, baby. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I, I I don't mean to I don't mean to steal your 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 position as host, Ben. But I was wondering no, no, if no, Jim go ahead. might say a little bit about, about like just like how, if the movie affected him emotionally at all. Yeah, you did say there was some cute moments too uh, and stuff like that, Jim. So if you have anything else to to sound off on, go for it. 
Yeah, and I, I just want to, you know, preface this. I, I feel bad that I didn't like the movie because well, it's good. such a strong... That's appropriate. Well, uh, <laughs> well it's such a... It's a <laughs> It's such a strong muse for you, you know, in a in a formidable movie, you 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 know, a foundational, excuse me, not formidable, a foundational movie for you. I feel bad. I feel like I'm shitting on, you know, or making no, light no. of your, it's really, your experience. It's really not for everyone. Um, I knew that I I was pretty sure Devin would like it, and I wasn't sure about you or Pepe, to be honest. I'm glad that Pepe liked it too. I'm pleasantly surprised um, or just happy that it is. Um, but I'm, I'm not surprised that at least one of us, it just wasn't for, because this movie really is like, I, I, if I had written out a list and sent it off to Miyazaki, he, they couldn't, you know, they couldn't have made a better, more fitting movie for me. It's, it's one of those rare things like that, you know? And yeah, so I don't take sure. personal offense at all. Yeah. Yeah, and I and I think it's just the genre in which this film sits. You know, yeah, the type of movies genre, that I, yeah, the type of movies that I'm attracted to are ones that are a more serious mien. You you know, um, typically they're darker in their uh, material, very reality focused as far as you know the parts of reality that really suck. You, you know, and how well they navigate through those ordeals or don't navigate through those ordeals. And, you know, and then throw, you know, pepper a lot of schlocky horror tropes. You know, I'm all in. <laughs> yeah. But, um, so, the, so I want to talk about what I did like about the movie. Everything that you guys said is, is, is definitely correct. The novel approach, I also enjoyed the library card, you know, and how they played that. You know, with him checking out the books, I've seen it coming. I mean, you know, it's pretty obvious sure. what it's yeah. going to lead to. But, but the the concept itself was definitely novel, and it shows, I think, more than just a superficial attraction, right? The fact that the the boy was uh, willing to do all of that—that's a lot of you know. You know, it was more than just a superficial thing and then likewise for her you know she would ruminate you know she would fantasize who could this boy be and the in the, one of the interesting parts is when she found out it was him she was like oh well, hell no you know yeah. when the reality bite that you know the reality bit so I, I thought that was interesting when it comes to like <clears throat> a sweet moment that i really liked was um, kind of that midpoint you were talking about, or maybe it happened a little bit before that with the clock. You had mentioned it in brief, but the key oh, of the doors and the, and, the, and, the, and the fairy. The clock is great. Yeah, and the fact that the king of the doors would come out at midnight, you know, you know I just like, wow. That wasn't was his really, voice great? That was really good. Yes. I don't yes, know who yes, voiced it, him, but the, the, the old grandpa there was such an uh, appealing voice. He really put a lot of heart into that performance. And yeah. what a fantastical and, and clock. So, yeah, and then some of his, like, his approach, like, he was very loving. He was very patient with her. You know, he took the time, and I think 
in that respect, he understood her in ways that other people didn't. So um, that was interesting, you know. Thanks, Jim. Yeah, I, I also wanted to draw attention to just like how real and how well this translates um, outside of Japan too. like how real the classmates all felt interacting with each other. Like it really felt like kind of how I remember it being at that age, you know. And uh, they don't spend a ton of time on it, but it's just one of those things that just that it's really like pluses the the feeling that this is like a real place and these are real people. It's just like they they don't. Yeah. It's almost like you know, the the crew that does like this is totally different genre and everything, but the the guys that do like Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. They're just so excellent at creating characters that you want to watch, and I feel like. Um, Ghibli is similar in that regard where they just create very strong characters that feel very real and even like the the tertiary characters feel like they have a life of their mm -hmm. own like like in Howl's Moving Castle the, the mom she's in like two or three scenes but you just get this sense of like this lady is uh, has a, a rich history you know to her character and you get her you know just just for one example that pops into my head um, I did want to mention, yeah, though, going, oh, go, go ahead, go ahead. Let's finish this up. But I have something. Oh, I was just, yeah. Yeah. It was just a quick aside of what you said. Yeah. The kids, the kids were definitely believable like that. The uh, it's not ambience would be the right word, but just just a contextual feel. They're definitely not the same as like the kids from Dawson's Creek. So, you know, just to use that example where they talk well you know, well above like who, you know, how kids of that age would really talk. These kids were very believable. Yeah. And there was like the teacher, you know, who like let some of the kids come in for lunch. There was always that teacher, you know, who was like cool with like a few kids coming in for lunch and they're sitting around chit chatting and gossiping. Struck me as very real. Um, so it was, that was nice. And just, but I still think my favorite thing, if I'm just going to highlight what I love best about this is, is just, the the ma those those elements of just feeling like you're really grounded in that in that setting uh, somehow it just teleports you there and it's it's such a wonderful thing um, actually they do have a in it they they have this thing um, on HBO now that's like you guys may have seen this they I think they have it on YouTube as well so you may have seen it but they have this thing called Studio Ghibli Nature Loop. Um, and it just cuts like intercuts like a montage from the different movies of these moments that we're uh, that we're talking about and puts them together. And like, I think it's like a half hour reel and and you can just kind of throw it on and it's very calming and serene and nice. Uh, and you get to see some scenes from the different movies and, and the different worlds. And uh, the editing is quite clever how they play off each other. And it's just kind of nice and good for anxiety if you ever are like me and like throw stuff on to kind of like set a, a mood in the room or something so check that out if you haven't um the thing i wanted to mention though is um I, it's a little sad of course but director uh yoshifumi uh yoshifumi kondo um i i wonder I, I love this movie so much that i often wonder and kind of mourn for the movies that might have been had he taken over and and what uh, how different the studio would have progressed if if he was at the home because he was very strong i feel like And so there's really yeah, no way to yeah. know, you know, but I just, I just like, man, that's one of the ones, it was like that with Joe Ranft at, at, at Pixar when he died. It was like, oh man, 
such a big hit to the to the studio. These these places they're big and they employ a lot of people, but you know it's just surprising how like there's kind of like this small pool, like a creative brain trust that really still drives these companies, and that's been that way since Walt Disney sat down with his nine old men and you know and they were they were the driving force for for years and they set that precedent. It still seems to be the the rule of the day how that works. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think that for for a studio like that to uh, something about Ghibli movies carry this common theme throughout this this both their like visual style, their storytelling style, and the sort of messages that they infuse into their movies uh, are so consistent. And yet, each film is so diverse that uh, it's really unlike any American studio. Like, yeah, Disney movies have kind of a trajectory that you can follow but it's not if you look at a movie made today and you look at like snow white there's almost nothing in common between the two. Oh yeah um and but this but almost 100 Kimber, years you ago do that and yeah no. i guess the it also lending to how old disney is compared to ghibli ghibli is it relatively speaking is not that old but um still yeah, relatively impressive disney, that sure. ke- yeah yeah it's impressive they've kept it so consistent They've been yeah, more was, consistent, I, I think, probably than many other studios, including Pixar, in my opinion. I was going to say, they also, like, super convincingly, like, almost without fail, pull off the, like, female protagonist. Yes. All and like it's a recurring every, every theme. Time. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It's almost, I think, actually, I can't even, is there a Ghibli? Well, I guess there probably are Ghibli movies that have male protagonists. I'm not, not typically sure though. It's typically a, mind, a female or even a couple of them. Um, yeah. uh, I think you could argue maybe that Ponyo my has a male. Ponyo's yeah. mostly about the boy, right? I haven't seen Ponyo. It's about I just the, know the girl is Ponyo. Well, yeah, but and then the boy is her. Oh, the boy is the is the kid. Is the right? little boy, cute little girl, guy. Fish, yeah, fish I love girl, the grandmas right? from yeah. that. The three grandmas. Um. Yeah, that has one of the better of what I was talking about earlier that uh that nature reel or whatever uh features some great scenes from Ponyo. Um shoot, I forgot what I was going to say now. Something about female protagonists? Yes, thank you. I I've said this before that it's it's always interesting to me for like, you know, well-known writers, you see them revisiting themes and yeah, for sure, uh Miyazaki definitely had his like young female protagonist that's more mature than most kids and is learning to be self-reliant. I think that's like a cultural thing in Japan because they have that show um, where th- th- on Netflix you may have seen is called like Old Enough, I think, where they send these little kids like toddlers out to do chores and see if they can do it. And they fall in with a camera crew. Super cute. But um, yeah. it's it's I don't know. I don't know enough about the culture, but I suspect from like, you know, the what I've seen from their media that this is a thing that they value, like independence. Do you guys know anything about that? I, I'm I'm look, kind of looking at you, Devin, because you seem to have studied the culture more. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm familiar with that show, and I do know that generally, um, 
independence is sort of expected at a much younger age and uh you like by the time you're in like high school there much much like in this film you kind of see high school there is treated more like how we treat college here it's like once you go off to high school you're basically an adult you're expected to get into a high school you're expected to like specialize in something there and uh and but it still happens at a similar age to to when we go so like you know 15 16 they may be onto something because I always felt like high school was like a big part babysitting and keeping like, you know, uh, teenage dirt bags off the street for eight hours a day. <laughs> yeah. Well, also, there's the argument that after like eight years of general education, like those other four, like really don't feel as necessary. Like it feels like by that point we should be specializing. Like once you probably. know the basics of math and English and history, you should probably be like learning how to be an adult human being at that point like learning more useful things rather than more math and english and history and like you know, yeah that should be a part a of it just like it is in college but it should be yeah more more adulting nobody does training. that anymore though we hit a button on yeah, well that's true whatever. i don't i don't i think my wife has a checkbook for some reason i don't know <laughs> i don't ask they never taught me emergency i blame the public school system here in america what can i say <laughs> yeah. I, I do find it interesting though that he that Studio Ghibli is always choosing female characters and the reason I say that is because I don't, I don't do any like creative writing or anything like that but when I make a D&D character I almost always know if the character is going to be male or female pretty much right away when i know okay. like a little bit about the character um but well wait yeah, so I wonder, let me I let me stop you there like, though sorry so i didn't quite understand so like you come up with like a like the race and the class and then from there derive the sex no is that is that the order of operation there well i mean it, it happens differently each time, but I think more of what it is is when I have an idea about personality, I'll then okay. know that makes more male sense. Or female, male or female, yeah. Um, I also, I also oftentimes like to play against type. So if I'm gonna, if I'm gonna do like a big, right. a big, That's a, a big strongman, it'll be a, a a woman, you know, or sure. Well, I'm gonna get myself in trouble saying shit. That's like fun. That. Uh, anyway, um, it's D and D. Yeah. Who here has uh, played yeah, a, a woman yeah. in D and D? Raise all your hands. Come yeah. on, don't lie. Yeah, we, we all have. <laughs> we all have. Yeah, yeah. Ba, I play Ba. Oh, so I wonder... It was a female. She's one of my favorite characters ever. Yeah. Yeah. So Sorry, I wonder, Pepe, I wonder if there. Well, I just I wonder what the motivation is behind, like basically having every single one of your. Oh yeah, it's protagonist being being a female. It's got to be over 90% of the time, right? So we're talking... Yeah, it's it's uh, the preponderance of the times. That's right. By far, by far. From Princess Mononoke to... Yeah. uh, Well, maybe in My Neighbors, the Yamadas. What's the other neighborhood? My Neighbor Totoro. That's even about a couple of uh, little girls. My Neighbor Totoro, yeah. What's the one about the little little people that was kind of um, uh, semi-recent? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That one. So yeah, I really, I've struggled to... Yeah, I struggled to think of one that isn't. Yeah, I do wonder that as well. well. I wonder it would be it would be nice to have Cat here too because oftentimes because as far as I know this is like men writing writing women, right? And so it would be interesting to see 
if these are like convincing if these if these women characters are like convincing to yeah for uh, sure a a woman's eye maybe maybe send us an email about it you women out there email (laughs) you that's how to get yeah you women right rile them up (laughs) for us pepe get those angry emails here. no i really i really Nailed did it. mean though that i with this one yeah totally well done sir um you have that special touch so i, I did i did mean what i said though <laughs> the nuance um i did what it, i did mean what i said that i missed cat's opinion on this one because you know it is a strong female protagonist and i i love her opinion uh, uh maybe ask her if she's seen this one Devin, uh, and Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. If she watches it, she, I'd love to know just uh, if she if she liked it. Maybe a thumbs up or a thumbs down, even if she has time. Um, and so, yeah. Did you guys have any anything else that you wanted to kind of go over with this film, or do you guys want to wrap up the discussion? Actually, there was one. There was one thing I was I was uh, wanted to ask. Like so, um, the other day I was. Um, I was taking a friend of mine, I was giving her a ride home and I asked her, um, I asked her like what she thinks about or like how it affects her when she listens to music that's like a guy singing a love song for a woman. Mm -hmm. And so I asked her like, do you put yourself in the place of the woman who's being sung about? Because I think generally, or at least it, it, me, like I, um, like when I hear that, I like put myself in the place of the guy who's like right. singing about this woman that he, he right. loves, right? And she she said that she doesn't put herself in the that she doesn't necessarily put herself in the place of the woman who's being sung about, but that she puts her place she she thinks of herself as being just like the object of this sort of like intense affection or like intense emotion. Um or, or, or that, that actually, that wasn't quite it, that it was like, or that's what resonated with her. It was that it wasn't that like she puts herself in the position of the woman. It's just that like, she sort of like, it's more about the emotion of it than the narrative the emotionality. Thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so I was wondering for you guys, like when you, um, when you hear like love songs or like movies like this, where it's like from the point of view of a woman who's falling in love with a man, or if you hear a love song that's by a woman, or if you hear a love song that's by a man or whatever it may be, how you guys uh, like relate to those things. Well, I can say with this one, I relate to both characters a lot. And so I almost feel like I flip flop back and forth quite a bit in this movie. Um, personally. Um, yeah. So I'll think about, I'll think about some other films though that are more that that maybe like the characters are less that I can less empathize with one or the other. But what about what about you, Devin? Um, yeah, I mean it's a it's a good question. I never really yeah. think about it too hard, but I think I mean it depends on the song. Obviously, um, there are songs I identify with more than others, and uh, you know there are songs see how to how to put this delicately there are a lot of modern songs <laughs> that are sexual in nature okay <laughs> and no <laughs> what this is news and that's a song that a song that is sexual in nature is is intended more than a just a love song to 
insert yourself into that situation. Oh, I see no sexual saying. pun intended. Oh, <laughs> no right. sexual pun intended. Um, <laughs> Subconsciously but, uh, only. Yeah, I, and then I, I don't know if it's if it's just based on the artist, but sometimes it's like I don't want to insert myself into that situation. Like it's like I, I don't like you know it's 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 definitely outside of my realm of of comfort like a megan the stallion song for instance when i hear wop <laughs> i am not a part of that <laughs> that, that is i am not in that room where, where wop is happening yeah. uh but when i hear like uh, um i'm trying to remember there's a little nas x song it's like his current big hit uh not call me by your name that was the last one but there's like a uh uh it's like somebody to love but it's not that but it's like that's that's the gist of the song is like he wants someone to love him uh, and that one i do find myself putting myself in that situation mainly because little nozix is incredibly attractive and i would i would like to be in a relationship with him but uh it, it, i don't know you it's put like, yourself in the situation of the person being sung, being about. sung too yeah yeah yeah, about, yeah uh it's it is easier i guess i guess i'm saying it's easier in a song that is more romantic in nature than it is uh uh so what well, that is sexual, but also that it depends on the artist and if you if their world seems like something you would be attracted to anyway, which isn't really the case with Lil Nas X. He's like again in, in like a totally different realm of like crazy luxury. But uh still it's it's easier to put myself in that situation for whatever reason. Well you make a you make a good point because it really it also comes down to the artist. So there's all these things affecting it. And I think that I could probably insert myself in it depends it kind of depends on the situation, I think. What about you, Jim? This is, this is a novel question for me, too, by the way, Pepe. I never really considered it. This is why they pay me the big bucks here. The That's yeah. right. Yeah. You're, get, you're getting down to the nitty-gritty there. <laughs> um, when, when it's a song well done, and, and, uh, and I'm not talking about a sexual song either, so it has to be a song. The song itself has some poignancy. It has some, you know, it moves you. Um, and it's well-placed in the movie. I most often put myself as an informed observer, meaning Interesting. I know the I know the context in which the song is sung. I know the players because of what um, the movie has shown me about them. So you know you're not just like you know a part of the audience that just kind of was happenstance right you know the beats and uh i do my make myself open to the emotions um that are being you know expressed um and, and like i said before like this isn't a type of movie or this genre isn't the type of genre that i normally watch but it doesn't mean like I mean, I consider myself a romantic. Like, I love this kind of stuff. So it's interesting that I don't find, you know, romance movies interesting, you know. Uh, but, yeah, I make myself open to the feelings. And that also, to move past this, good scores when they're done in movies, you know, or soundtracks. I mean, oh, yeah. besides an action movie, besides action movies, you know, which can have good soundtracks, but it's a different type of feeling. But like, say, um, you know, a very dramatic movie where it's so well done and it's so much in sync with the soundtrack that the set, uh, and you had, you know, said what the difference is if the sound comes like from within the movie or outside of the movie. But I always think of Baby Driver. Much 
Yeah. With the bullets yeah, sinking yeah. to the action and the music. Yes. Yeah, but when the when the soundtrack is as much a part of the movie as a movie itself, that's pretty freaking well done. But it's intentional. It is supposed to evoke a feeling. And I make myself open to like that feeling, you, you know, yeah. and that is the magic of movies that they can, you know, you guys have expressed it about what is it about Ghibli movies that is nostalgic, but it's not uh, a direct nostalgia, you know, that's really hard to accomplish. And uh, they, they accomplish that well. Um, I think great movies in that, in that respect make us, feel things that in life it takes time and um a lot of energy and movies have achieved that shorthand even books you know you have to yeah. read through kind the of a slog. miracle when it works yeah 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 so hopefully i said a lot to answer your question no you know it made me think jim that i'm based on what you're saying i'm thinking like you know maybe the best way to describe it for me is like I tend to have a lot of empathy, so I, I I think maybe that I'm more of like a floating point, you know, that that can kind of drift in and out of the different perspectives that I'm that I'm seeing, both in songs that I'm listening to and and in narrative. Um, also, I just want to say, like, yeah, to your point about like scores, I mean, like, can you imagine like Goodfellas without the soundtrack? Or yeah, exactly. Or uh, Star Wars is the big example. Like, take take uh, John Williams' score out of Star Wars, and you've taken the 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 movie would die. So much of that movie away. And so yeah, 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 exactly. What's what would be left? You know, like you're chopping off all four yeah. limbs almost. Yeah, definitely. And even like horror movies, like The Thing, that score is iconic. Shiny. Oh yeah, for that sure. That score is John you know, Carpenter. You know that's Casio. Yeah, Just fucking owning it. <laughs> uh, yeah, twenty eight days later. I mean, that's so iconic. I airlifted that song, and I put it on you know the list that I played during my role playing games, the ones that are more horror based. You know. Yeah, exactly. Wow. So, that's Pepe, really did you did I, you answer the question yourself? Okay, you're you're leading up to it. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, I so. I, it's funny that, well, I don't know. Okay, so I'll say, I almost always put myself in one of the positions, right? Like, I'm either the one singing about the, in my case, the woman, or the woman is the one um, singing about me. Um, and so, yeah, just like hearing that there, and I, and I sort of, I sort of figured that a lot of people would do that, but I was well. That was my suspicion. Her... Yeah, yeah. My suspicion is that about, you was... are the typical listener or viewer in that regard. That would be my suspicion too. Yeah, yeah. That, I mean, that would be my guess too. Um, but I was interested in hearing how she specifically related to a song in which a male singer was singing about a female lover right and and i i, I sort of i i sort of expected her to say yeah I, I imagine that he's singing about me but it wasn't it wasn't that i would have also and so that got me interested yeah i would yeah right and it's so an it's interesting, interesting question. to hear that we have a, a diversity of opinions here so yeah yeah or a diversity of phenom something phenomena. i'll probably something i'll probably keep thinking about 
Um, so any other yeah. Uh, yeah. parting comments or thoughts about Whisper of the Heart? Whisper of the Heart, more like I'm already Oh, shit. That's it. Podcast over. <laughs> oh, no. no more monkey shining. Okay, so we're going to wrap up our conversation. So I just want to kind of cap it off with a couple of thoughts. Um, so I did, I wanted to mention that um, fans of this film, I, I'm not on Facebook now, um, but fans of this film understandably feel very strongly about it because it's kind of a unique and standout film in the Ghibli lineup. And so, uh, although I'm not personally on Facebook anymore, when I was, I was part of the Whisper of the Heart group that was on there. It was very active. And uh, and it was like kind of a tight-knit community because not a lot of people have known or watched this film. And so we all kind of had a fun time and uh, in that community. I wanted to give them a shout-out. And, and um, we all kind of felt a little special for having uh, watched the movie and recognized the greatness of one of the lesser-known Ghibli movies. So shout out to those guys if any if any of you saw this out there and, and downloaded this episode. Um, but yeah, if you know if you're creative and you haven't seen this one and you like Ghibli movies, um, I, check it out um, and just prepare to be transported as if in some sort of anime time capsule to you know mid '90s Japan and um, enjoy the ride. You're well. You're very welcome. I'll say that. Um, and uh, just to, to cap off again with the thought that, um, you know, Yoshifumi Kondo didn't know that this was going to be his last movie, but it, it ended up being a pretty beautiful magnum opus for him. Um, so RIP to him. And um, this movie definitely at least showed the promise of what might have come. But what he did deliver to us was a, a beautiful movie that I personally treasure. So well done. Also, you know. The guy who started writing with me, he's a published author now, by the way, just like his grandma. So well done, Saul wow. Roberts. Yep. Look him up if you want. Um, yeah, I'm going to see if I can get a little signed copy of his his book, which I have not yet read, but I intend to download on my new Kindle Paperwhite and read it. So Saul, if you listen to this, uh, well done, man. Well done. Um, okay, so end of discussion. Why don't we give final grade? Why don't we calculate through the long series of, of uh, deep uh, thought uh, what our final grade may tally up to be uh, during what we tend to take here to pay the bills and keep the lights on? A short commercial break. And now a word from our sponsors. Friends, do you have a lonely dog? The kind of good boy or good girl that gets bored sitting alone in your yard all day while you're at work? Well, Moon's Professional Dog Enraging Service has got you covered. <laughs> With nine lives of experience, Moon has earned a well-deserved <laughs> reputation for excellence and dedication to his craft, providing you just the right amount of subtle teasing to drive your barky floof into a delightful frenzy that the whole neighborhood can enjoy. Side effects include barking, snarling, coughing up hairballs, and enraged dogs who resent Moon for not being within killable range. Disclosure. <laughs> you don't book Moon. Moon books you. Absolutely no refunds. 
Moon's professional dog and raging service. It's no trouble at all. Completely our pleasure. <laughs> oh, Moon. But I care. Yeah, might I just add <laughs> if yeah, might I just add that I would have totally followed that cat if I if I saw that on a train or a bus with me. Oh yeah. Like, hell yeah, I want to know where this this guy is going. <laughs> that's, sure. that's a fantastic Having thing. not seen Having not seen this movie, I'm sure I was I was sure that that cat was going to do some magical shit, but it yeah. but it didn't. Well, you see, it's funny too because all the marketing for this movie shows that cat man with the suit, and you're like, oh, this is a yeah, fantasy yeah. movie. There's obviously going to be some fantasy in it, and so you see that cat, and you're like, well, it's not the same cat with the suit, but it's definitely a cat. So it's probably the magic cat, and then it's for sure just a cat. cat. There's one thing I can do. <laughs> yeah, it's a cat. Yeah, no, it totally hooks you. It's oh, like, the marketing it's, it's like false marketing in the best way. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, the marketing totally did a marketing thing. What the what the marketing team does, they're like push the fantasy yeah. Miyazaki thing, so people watch this. Yeah, um, I I imagine that probably worked against the film in some cases, uh, but for me it was uh, a pleasant surprise um, finding the the unpolished gem that was this movie. So. Speaking of that, I think it's probably time that we tally up some grades and see where we're at with this thing. Okay, so yeah, this movie is definitely an A for me. It's one of my favorite movies. I've pretty much gone on ad nauseum about it, so I don't have much to add here uh, other than I can't wait to watch it again. Uh, especially when I need a little kick in the pants on creativity or or maybe I'm stressed out, feeling a little anxious. Um, Devin, where did you land on Whisper of the Heart? Uh, yeah, this probably won't shock anybody, but it's definitely an A for me. I, I imagine all of Studio Ghibli's films will get an A pretty easily for me. Um, they, they are mostly, in my opinion, flawless, um, especially technically. I mean, technically absolutely flawless the score the the art everything um but even beyond that this story in particular if if i could give something beyond even the a that i would give to any studio ghibli movie this this would get it um just because yeah this is probably one of my favorites now it's risen pretty high in the ranks for me that's so awesome yeah for me it's one of the a plus plus where that joke actually really works for me um and i did want to say yeah. also that i i definitely and i said this last time because we're just talking about animation i'll say it again briefly i really miss the like old cell shaded just you know someone drew it on paper you know someone inked it with an ink pen you know someone painted it with some paints and then they shot it with the camera and and it just and it, it technically that's harder to do than than it is digitally i think and it, it is a beautiful thing that's why i said time capsule it almost feels like that but uh james pepe where did you land on this we're we're, we're separating the cynics from the uh from the artists here sorry jim <laughs> <laughs> Well, before I before I reveal my grade, I wanted to ask Devin if he likes if he likes this one more than Spirited Away. Now, this is a new favorite. Oh, that's I think Spirited Away would still be number one for me. Yeah, I think that this I think this film is firmly in my top three uh, at this point. I don't know the exact order, but yeah, it's it's very much up there. I think I would still Spirited Away is still probably my favorite. I don't are you be, are, yeah. would your top three be Spirited Away, Howl's Moving Castle, in this movie? Then because that that would be my top three as well. Uh, I don't want to reveal what my other third one is because maybe it's the movie I submitted for this. Is, it, is that top it's probably three audience choice or top three Ghibli? 
Uh, that would be Ghibli, yeah. I mean, Spirited Away yeah, 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 yeah. is among my I favorite assume. movie. It's like, it's hard. When you're talking about favorite movies of all time, it is hard to rank in order, but I would say Spirited Away is, is easily in the top three of that list as well, but it might be the only Ghibli movie in the top okay. three of like yeah. all time. Okay, excellent. I also that's, really like Kiki's no, Delivery. I'm free to say right. this now, too, because you all know this is mine. So I also really like Kiki's Delivery Service and just really any of them. Yeah. I, I have the most of the collection, then whatever I don't have, you can watch on HBO Max these days, which is great. Um, so good question again, Pepe. Awesome. And uh, let's find out what uh, what you graded, Whisper of the Heart. Yeah, I'm going to give it an A. Awesome. Um, I'm interested. If we, wow. if we ever actually do, if we ever actually do, 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 <laughs> if we actually do do a, a, a review season i'd be interested in i'd be i would hope that this one would come up again because i'm i'm wondering if it would i i think there's a chance that it, that i might enjoy it less on a subsequent viewing just because of circumstances you know even if it doesn't um, if so you be, if you watch just, it again jump in on it on a show and let us know yeah. what you what you thought yeah i'm glad it i'm glad it caught you at the right moment and I'd also like to add that they say that Pepe's heart grew three sizes that day. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So rounding off this perfect 4.0 is Jim Scott. No, I'm just just kidding. Jim. Oh, now, where where did you land with this one, honestly? This is going to be a high score. Yeah, I have to give it less than an A, and then we sure, have to sure. talk about you know why we don't have a perfect scorecard, right? Or at least my my mom has to come in and tell me why I did not get something less than an A, right? Um, <laughs> as 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 Excellent. Asian moms tend to do. Um, so I gave it a C, um, with, with a little bit of a caveat, you know. I, I say in the very beginning, like anime is not something that, that I've been exposed to very much. You know, it's the genre that I know the least about. And, uh, you know, I try to make myself open to the experience, right? You know, because that is the spice of life. Also, Ghibli films, you, you know, are something I know really nothing about. And then, you know, this type of movie is not a type of movie that I would normally watch. So I think those three things, I'm kind of like a fish out of water, whereas you guys are very well versed, you know, um, in this type of subject matter. And the C comes with a caveat because it has a, it has beautiful moments there. The animation style is beautiful, uh, but the story itself there were parts that were compelling, but the story itself, I, it just didn't, it just didn't do it for me. So, yep, didn't grab you. Well, I'll be curious yeah, moving forward. Of, um... I'll real quick. I'll just be curious moving forward which one of the movies we end up watching in the next few episodes, if any of them do, or which ones do. But go ahead, Pepe. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was just gonna say uh, some of these the Ghibli movies sort of have their own pace to have, they have their own they cadence do. to them. So like even the more action packed ones have those like slower moments. And this movie was very like low me or something, you know, like it was, soft, it was one of the lower ones. Squishy. Yes. Right. Exactly. Ooey gooey. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's part of it. Yeah. Love this movie though. Cool. So, um, yeah, let's find out where this lands and how it relates to everything. What do you got for us, Devin? 
Yeah. Uh, this lands at a 3.5 even uh, B plus. Okay. Um, I'm yeah, happy with that. Not, score. not too shit. I'm delighted. Um, all right. Now, now, now hurt my feelings, Devin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is the part of the show. Don't pull any punches. <laughs> uh, well, that puts it at a tie with our favorite movie from last season, which was Ex Machina uh, at a 3.5. Um, we also have Never Ending Story at a 3.5 and The Talented Mr. Ripley at a 3.5. A lot of gym movies wow. at a 3.5, which is interesting. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I'm finally in the gym range. Yeah. Wow. Uh, again, uh, putting up gym numbers. Again, again know, not a right? perfect A. How come? <laughs> also, uh, I know, right? Uh, still time to be a pharmacist. Did I tell you guys that story? You can still yeah. be a pharmacist. Blair Witch uh, also at a three point four eight, so very, very close to this. Uh, yeah, and I'm trying to dial in, man. Uh, and it is not our favorite Studio Ghibli movie. Uh, Spirit Away is still sitting at a 3.74, so still oh, yeah. getting this one out. Yeah. Uh, we will see if that gets usurped this season. Perhaps a perfect grade will, will arrive later. I'm curious. Yeah. I thought maybe if this movie, this movie I thought had a chance, and but I also, but I, okay, so I wasn't sure. I, I knew either, so people tend to either like really like it or just really not like it or be ambivalent to it. That's been my experience. And so I was pleasantly surprised that those of you who did like it did like it. Um, and and it's nice. I feel like 3.5. I'm very delighted with that score. So wonderful. But since we're talking about what we're watching, why don't we figure out what we're watching next? Yeah. All right. All right. It is time to roll for the next episode where we let the dice decide our fate as to what we're watching for next show. And here is your drum roll, gentlemen, Jim Scott. It it was a one. Lucky number one. We will be watching a movie that no one's ever heard of, Howl's Moving Castle, now streaming on oh, HBO wow. Max. Uh, since you guys know what I've already submitted, I get to say how excited nice. I am to watch Howl's Moving Castle. I fucking love this movie. Nice. Okay. Very well, I'm excited too, even though you don't know what I submitted. I'm, That's it's right. It's clearly the, I think, I'm thinking audience choice. Here. So, um, like I went with this. Oh, wow. <laughs> <Adult> prediction. <Yeah>. So, <laughs> let's see. Um, so join us next week. It's on HBO Max. It'll be, that's pretty much easy enough to find for everyone. I cannot wait. Um, why don't we take care I of I will little... also say, oh, okay. uh, just, just a side point, um, Studio Ghibli movies are all over the internet and unlike Wonderful Days, like there's tons of safe uh, streaming websites that you can find <laughs> it for free. Uh, so yeah, get them, get Google. Yeah, you Google like Howl's Moving Castle free online. It'll absolutely come up, I guarantee. While, while this interruption is unorthodox, I'm going to allow it because Jim gave my favorite movie a C, so... <laughs> Sorry, <Jim. laughs> love you, buddy. <laughs> oh, ben. No, it's really not good. Favorite movie, Ben? It's, like it's really one, one of my. I'd say it's one of my favorite movies. Um, it may okay. not be my favorite, but it definitely holds a special place. It's it's unique in that sense, you know. Like I said, I don't. I'll I'll, I'll not kick a dead a, horse it's here. It's a very singular movie. It is. It is. Um. Yeah. You know, like Devin said, the, it's hard to put a number on things, right? Um. Yeah. Anyway, so. Let's get to some show business. How much do you know about show business, Mr. Valiant? Only there's no business like it. No business I know.
This is my favorite clip. <laughs> so good. Makes me laugh every time. Uh, it makes me happy that you're happy with that clip because I really love that clip too. Um, okay, we'll start with a little uh, low point. That's my least favorite part of the show. I have to do a retraction where I admit where oh, I God, made a mistake. Always. hate admitting mistakes, but my producer says I, we have to do it. Something about journalistic integrity, whatever. Okay, so last episode. <laughs> what nonsense. Yeah, whatever, dude. Last episode, uh, during our rundown recreation game, which was titled Filthy Wastelander Trivia, I incorrectly stated a fact that Smack My Bitch Up by Prodigy was the first music video to air on MTV featuring nudity. Um, it turns out that there is some controversy with this fact. Uh, a faction of eagle-eyed viewers uh, claim that the first video uh, to lay claim to this prestigious historic honor is none other than Sledgehammer by Peter Gabriel. Yeah, it's true. Uh, apparently, some people claim oh, wow. to have spotted Peter Gabriel's sledgehammer, Peter Gabriel's sledgehammer, huh? Spliced in oh. as a single frames throughout the video, uh, a la Fight Club, uh, so that subconsciously you were exposed to Gabriel's massive tool. Um, now, whether or not this is indeed the case, <laughs> I felt it my duty, nay, my honor, to inform the public. And now, as tens and tens of people run out and watch the video <laughs> to verify for themselves, Peter Gabriel can enjoy the coveted I'll look at yours bump that his sledgehammer so oh, rightfully yeah. deserves. <laughs> we is sincerely... That is that no, real? This is, total, make that up? this is total bullshit. Um, oh. But go, go look did, for yourselves. Never say that. Yeah. Uh, so we sincerely apologize. I'll edit it out. We sincerely apologize <laughs> and ask that you bear with us as we strive to be better. Uh, fan emails, you can write to Ben at redheadmedia.com and we may respond on the show. Let us know how we're doing. Did we get something wrong? Did you arrive at the same conclusions as James Pepe and therefore discover objective yeah, truth? Then you'd be right. That's called epistemology. Epistemology Pepe style. <laughs> uh, what segment of the show is your favorite? <laughs> Where are you listening from? It's always, that's really Shout always fascinating Morocco, to me. Totally. Estonia. Excellent. Yes, I love it. Um, write us. We may choose your email to read and respond to on the show. Now, at this point, I, did, I didn't write it down, but I did want to give a brief update to my research into why the heck there aren't more um, South Korean anime films out there available to get. Um, what I found was many more questions than answers, unfortunately. There's just not a lot of data out there. But I was able to uh, track down some of the anime um, in the form of torrents that they are out there. I, um, you're supposed to own these things. You can also like buy them on Amazon. But really, if, as far as like if you want to view them, I, there's no there's no uh, way to do it other than either you're going to torrent it or you're going to like track down like probably a used DVD or something. Um, so I'm I did read a few articles about it that people had some theories as to why and it really but none of them were like conclusive um did anyone else find out anything or, or look up anything or jim did you did you track down any more leads as to where some of these might be available no no i i found the less than you did actually and i i want to say i appreciate you for finding you know the couple of movies out there i downloaded them you know onto my computer to be viewed later but uh, I found the same yeah, thing they as lists. far as Amazon. Yeah. Yeah, they'll be on lists and they'll be like, you know, in summaries. 
you know on some of the anime websites that be that feature anime but it's just a description of they're they're not hosting that movie and i found much like like you did that yeah amazon will sell that shit to you because amazon pretty much will sell anything to you so it's yeah, really, really unfortunate and i don't know why is. i don't think there's really a great excuse i think it just may be overlooked um so what my suggestion was going to be is that uh, I take all the power of my international media conglomerate and tweet at Netflix and be like, hey, what's up? Pick up some of these uh, Korean anime tiles and see if uh, people get on board with this thing. Um, you know, if our tens and tens of viewers uh, will join in, we can uh, get this thing trending and see where we go. But maybe they'll respond. I don't know. You never know. So we'll take a shot and see. So that'll be the update. I'll, I will tweet and and see if one of these companies uh responds thank you sure so that will conclude show business for this week uh, i think that's really that's about it for the show guys that's usually where the show ends all right see you later bye <laughs> Whoa, who wait wait that? hold on jim <laughs> come on back just one more thing. Oh, oh my God. Columbo. <laughs> well, it appears Columbo's here to either put me under arrest or tell us that it's time for just one more thing. <laughs> the segment of the show where each co-host just brings a little something from outside the show that they'd like to share. Um, for me, I'll keep it brief, but um, I picked up, uh, this will be a VR thing. I picked up uh, the flight Microsoft Flight Simulator and um have been oh, playing it wow. with the vr headset and my controller and um i have played flight simulators on and off throughout the years but oh my god as you guys might imagine the level of immersion of sitting in an actual cockpit is very very different and just it seems dumb but just just the ability to look around freely is is just a huge increase in that level of immersion now i'm i'm not running the fastest uh like rtx graphics card i have a, a 2070 currently of course i want to upgrade but um even at like moderate settings it, it just blows away almost any other vr experience i've had so far except for i want to invite everyone who plays vr including you guys this will be my the end of my just one more thing i'll give a shout out to uh stylite southpaw's karaoke room on big screen i've been having an absolute blast going going in there it's like it's like fucking cheers for me now. I get to go in and, uh, uh, you know, everyone knows my name, et cetera. And we we sing together and uh, have a couple of beers. And it's like stepping out to the bar while still uh, remaining safely at home and not paying the exorbitant fees um, and have to deal with the logistics of such. So it's super fun. So when if you guys are up for it, uh, we should definitely meet up and do that one of these days. The room's up most nights, but there's there's usually something to do in there. Who'd have thought that like uh, an app called Big Screen about like watching stuff together could uh, find such an interesting niche like this? Uh, ben, have you flown a plane into your house yet in Flight Simulator? Because they no, have. I mean, it's, I a, have, it's a it's a one to one. It's a one to one uh, uh, recreate, basically a one to one recreation right. of Earth, meaning it using is. Google Maps. So, like, your house exists in, yeah, everyone's house exists down in to the weather. Later, they even get it. Like, the live yeah, weather, yeah, and they will crazy. give you the live air for what it's worth. I don't know how the security of that works, but they, I think, okay, maybe I'm bullshitting here, but I'm pretty sure they give you like 
at least live conditions, if not like live air traffic. Um, and that may be not the case, but there definitely is air traffic. And um, you, yeah, I mean, although you can set it how you want it, I think um, most of the time I just fly with the live conditions. And that is a new thing to this, this upgrade. Um, but uh, yeah, make sure if you want to play this thing that you have a healthy amount of hard drive space because it takes yeah. it. it. It'll take it's as much as you get. It. Yeah, it'll yeah. take as much GPU as you have. It'll take as much hard drive space as you have. Um, so, you know, those who are familiar with Flight Simulator are aware of that, though. But yeah, yeah, try it out. If you, if you get the opportunity, it's, it's pretty neat. All right. Uh, well, my one more thing. I have a little uh, quick double one just because uh, I have a timely one from last week and then a timely one from this week. Um, so from last week, Oh, I, you couldn't hear me saying that. I got my hands on a Steam Deck, which oh, I'm currently yeah. running. Uh, it's very hard to see in this, but I'm running World of Warcraft on there right now. Um, it runs perfectly Whoa. fine. Uh, so does everything else I've tried on it. Yeah, I know, right? World of Warcraft in a mobile format. It's, oh, my it's, God. It's the new age. Yeah, um, it's incredible. And I've run some other like newer stuff. I ran Elden Ring on here. runs beautifully. I think it runs at 30 FPS, but otherwise absolutely beautiful. Um Devil May Cry 5 I also picked up and runs absolutely great, and that, that works perfectly because it's a, such an arcade sort of hack-and-slash game uh, that it, it, it's a perfect thing for on-the-go. Um, well, Devin. So, yeah, highly recommend. All right. You son of a bitch. You give me that right now. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so, so that's it. I mean, they're, they're becoming much easier to order now. From what I've heard, you can just go and pre-order one. There is no nice. wait list anymore. Great. There is no signing up and waiting months like I did. Uh, you just go and you put in an order and you get one a couple of weeks But isn't the cost, later. like, pretty, uh, so. pretty far up up there? Like, it's, I mean, it's going to set you back, right? They are. So the, the base model is $400. The next step up is, like, 560 and that's for the much oh, larger NVMe hard drive. Yeah, it, it is It is the power of, like, an Alienware laptop. If you've got a laptop with the exact specs, it's going to cost you at least, like, 1600 bucks minimum, maybe 2000 So It is, like, that value of hardware put into it. Like, it, they are very much taking the uh, Microsoft Sony hardware thing where it's it's they are losing money on the hardware like absolutely objectively losing money on it but they are guaranteeing that you will be on their software and their platform forever and you will keep buying steam games because you now have a way you know a reason to buy even more steam games although your library fully transfers over it's a bold move cotton see how that works out for them i hope it does though so maybe the prices i was thinking about were the like inflated like uh you got to get it on the black market price or something oh yeah because i remember hearing like upwards of 800 plus dollars or something like that but i don't know probably aftermarket i think the most expensive one is like 650 for the largest hard drive um so yeah it doesn't well i can't wait to get my hands on one though that's that's just yeah it's a new it's a new era that's so cool cool what was your other Um, other thing my second is, you will be pleased to find out, uh, I have started watching uh, a little show called Sandman. Ah, that's so great. <laughs> yeah. Tell me, uh, like, I've only watched I can't the first take two it if you don't like it. No, I've been really enjoying it so far, and I've been wanting Excellent. to watch it more. You know what the thing, the thing is that sold me on it? It's, it's like the, the silliest, most insignificant thing. But uh, the actor who plays Tywin Lannister, the fact that he was in it. I saw a trailer that just had him, and I'm like, yeah, okay. If that actor's in a thing, I'll watch the thing, because that's like one of the greatest actors alive so right now. Like, he's incredible. That's excellent. Okay. Uh, yeah. So I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll watch it for that, even though, you know, 
I'll say his character doesn't get a lot of screen time. I won't spoil it for people, but uh, still, it was worth no, it but to he's such see a him. And, uh, oh yeah, absolutely. He plays the like is... evil rich guy. He's the evil rich guy in the beginning. Oh, oh, right, right, right. Yeah, okay, yeah. Uh, he, he, he does evil rich guy so well. Yeah, yeah. it's, it's yeah. like did, maybe he's being typecast. Did you see still, the Golden Child? Yes, last time we talked about him, I asked if you've seen the Golden Child. I think because I don't think it, so. it's his, no, gotta, it's his best villain role. He's creepy as hell. It's just an '80s movie with Eddie oh, yeah. Murphy and kind of a dramatic. It's still funny, but it's kind of more of a dramatic adventure movie. Um, but oh yeah, he is a, a formidable evil entity in that thing. Uh, it scared the hell out of me when I watched it when I was a kid. Uh, but yeah, I'm two episodes in. I want to watch more. Uh, oh, I'm so really excited that you're watching. Wow, that's great. News. It passes wow, the non-comic reader smell test. You watched two. Yeah, good. You watched two of the things I've been dying for you to watch. So uh, that made my week right there. Good news for me. Yeah, if you haven't seen it, go see the CMN. Also, uh, the the person who plays uh, is it Chaos in the Sandman also is in the new Quantum Leap show, which I've been enjoying. Um, I've not so checked out that, that yet, but I want to. If you're a Quantum Leap fan, um, they seem to be taking it seriously and doing a good job so far. And it seems I run the actual channel that has uh, it's on my channel on Redhead Media. If you go look it up. The quantum leap, the original quantum leap intro is on my channel because no one had put it up, so I put it up, and it still gets like 15k views a month. Up uh, this month, of course, it, it jumped because the new show's coming out. But people on the this is why I'm bringing this up. The people on the sh uh, that are fans of the show, there's a conversation going on in the in the comments always, and they and at first they were very hesitant and ah whatever this is going to be terrible. It seems to have turned in favor of the show. I'll say that. So if you're hesitant to watch the new Quantum Leap show, that's also it. We are living in a just an embarrassing wealth of excellent TV. Yeah, uh, I was also reminded talking about that that uh, yeah, House of Dragons is incredible. Anyone who hasn't started yes, watching House of Dragons, the most recent episode is like over. maybe the best episode of television I've ever seen. Like other than the weird lighting that was like the episode was very clearly shot during the day and they made it nighttime artificially and it looks really bad. And it, I don't know why it looks so bad, but other oh my than that, god, despite that. It looks, it was an incredible Devin, episode. I wanted to run to my keyboard and talk to you about that as soon as I watched that scene. I was like, <laughs> why are they shooting day for night? They have a money hose. What yeah, are they doing? So it looks weird. terrible. Yeah. But other than that, spot, <laughs> it yes, so it, it's terrible. It, it literally looks, like, looks like at the last minute, they just turned the exposure down. It literally it, looks like they turned is. the exposure knob down a little bit. And it's like, that's good. That it's was like fun. one of those old they John did, Wayne Westerns they did, where they um, just shoot at noon and you can totally tell that it's not night, you know? It's yeah. as bad as that. They did like the fifth. They did day for night in in Nope also for some reason. Did they, what are they are doing like starting to do oh, it again? Yeah. I don't know. It's weird. The man. problem is, I'll say technically, since we're on it, I'll I'll throw this. The problem that it, that they're having is they're getting this direct sunlight, directional light, on the characters, and that doesn't go away. But then they're putting they're making the sky like overcast, and light diffuses then, so you don't get these hard hard light hard shadows so it's never gonna look good i don't know uh, that i don't know what they were thinking they at least should have made the sky yeah. with some sunbeams shooting through the clouds but it was like totally overcast and dark yeah it was terrible i don't know how that well passed. they they also 
I think it was a creative decision later in the production because the promotional work, there's a, there's a shot from this episode that was in the promotional stuff that they put out that showed Rhaenyra talking to Damon. And in that promotional shot that they put out very early before the show started, it was daytime. Like it was fully bright sunlight on the beach daytime. Yeah. And so they, yeah, at some early stage, this episode took place during the day. And for some reason they decided creatively, they wanted to do nighttime very late. Here's what happened. Some guy in a suit who always wanted to be a creative came down and um, wanted to be that extra cook in the kitchen. And, and uh, yeah, wouldn't it be cool if it was nighttime? Yeah, they could do they could do anything. Yeah, like it would, <laughs> yeah. you might as well just go reshoot the scene if your lighting's that badly wrong in this mesh. Anyway. All right. Anyway, so, it was a great episode. Us, despite that, it was it was amazing. Go watch the show. TV's so great good. right now. I, I, I have a list of shows I want to talk about. But anyway. James Pepe, what have you got for us this week? I want to recommend um, a book that I've made an October tradition. And I have, a, I have an inkling that I actually um, recommended this last October also on the show, but I don't remember for sure. So this is a book by um, Roger Zelazny. It was actually the last book he published before he died. And he it was one of his favorite books favorite of his own books and it's called a night in the lonesome october and the um the elevator pitch for this book is um it's an epistolary novel so it's like a diary and it's a diary written by the point of view of a dog named snuff who is jack the ripper's dog (laughs) um so it almost seems like a tim burton production it's it's Tim Burtony. Um, it's but it's also set in present day. So Jack the Ripper isn't the sort of character you might expect. It's not particularly grisly. Like Snuff isn't following around Jack um, when he's doing his his titular ripping. Um, but it's a it's a great um, it's a great it's a super fun novel, and it's broken up into thirty two chapters. So there's a very short introduction. And then there's a chapter for each day in October. And how you read it is you read a chapter every day in October because the book culminates, its climax takes place on Halloween. So it's a super fun thing to read through over the course of October. You don't have to sit down and read it, you know, all in big chunks. You just read one chapter every day. And um, it's super fun. Lots of, lots of, um, it's 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 gothic. It's Lovecraftian. Lots of other Excellent. characters that you'll recognize will show up, other than Jack the Ripper. Um, but yeah, it's a great so it's, it's like a great whole- hidden gem. Not not a, not many people I think know about this. So if ever heard of it? You can you can find you can find the audiobook on Amazon, or I'm sorry, not on Amazon on YouTube. But I'm sure you can find it on Amazon too. But you can find the audio you want to pay on YouTube, like a sucker. Yeah, yeah. if you want to pay yeah. like, like a chip. <laughs> yeah. But but I think the I think the ba- the paperback is relatively easy to come by too, so it's not going to cost you a bunch of money if you want to buy a paperback. So is this thing like the Forrest Gump of like horror movies, where you're just seeing tons of cameos from other monsters and, and villains, or is it just a few key things that pop up, or do you or do you not want to spoil um, it in that sense? Well, I don't. I, I won't say too much, but I yeah, will yeah. say that the other sort of horror characters that you see play an integral role in yeah. a way that the, the sort of like characters that you might see in Forrest Gump don't don't really. 
So what was the title again? It was very uh, evocative. Yeah, so this is A Night in the Lonesome October by Roger Zelazny. Ah, I love how that just kind of sits. It's almost the same kind of nostalgic uh, kind of little bittersweet feeling as uh, as the movie that we just watched in a way. Yeah. There yeah, is, there's another out. book called The Night in the Lonesome October by not by someone else. So just make sure you get the right one. A Night in the Lonesome October, Roger Zelazny. There you go. Cool. That's excellent. I, I'll go grab that. I just like, as I mentioned, I picked up one of the Kindle Paperwhites this week, and uh, that'll be oh, fun yeah. to toss that on it. there and, and read. Read along. Just read excellent. a chapter each night, man. It's yeah. super fun. I love this segment. Why did I ever think about killing this segment? How dare I? All right. <laughs> Jim Scott, what have you got? Yeah, so um, I, like Devin, have two uh, uh, entries, but they are they tie together. So both of them have to deal with content. You know, I, too, agree with you, Ben, that we live in a golden age where yeah. there is so much that you want to watch right now it's actually stressful to make a choice, you know, at times, which is yes, interesting. It but, is. Um, yeah. Yeah. And uh, my my lists on all of these streaming services that I subscribe to are I'll if I just picked one streaming service, I still wouldn't get through that whole list. It's just I, I like to there call you it go. So anyways, the first one, the channel is called it's on YouTube. Excuse me. Let me reference this. And the first one is on the channel Wisecrack. And the name of the uh, episode is Did Content Kill Culture? And then the second, and I'll go into these a little bit. Yeah, um, and then do. the second one is by R.C. Waldoon. And it, the title of it is Critical Thinking in the age of internet it is a talk at the university of melbourne and um so the first one wisecrack so wisecrack is and i just lifted this straight from their description it is a collective collective of academics filmmakers artists and pop culture junkies curious and contemplative of, uh, about the world around us so in their episode did content kill culture they talk about what is the intent what is the intent of content and what is its impact on us and i thought it was interesting because he does he's a philosopher like james pepe and uh, this particular guy michael uh, and he always has interesting things to say but he goes through like the medium of entertainment he doesn't go as far as you know what the written word did to the spoken word but he talks about what cable television did in its heyday to, you know, the big three channels, you know, you know when, you know, uh, programs were limited. I remember and it he, well. He extract, yeah, so do I. And he extrapolates the argument to living in an internet age, what did content do? And he makes the argument that the intent of content is different than cable or other works of art. And uh, it's really, really interesting. I don't want to say more because you can check out their uh, their episode. And then the second one, R.C. Walden, he too is a philosopher. 
and he boiled down philosophy to to, to the the love of wisdom, which I have, I've never seen a more succinct explanation of what philosophy is. Sorry, Jim. That's uh, just sorry to interrupt. That's that's literally what the word philosophy means: philosophia, love of wisdom. Yeah, yeah, and I didn't even know that, you know. So I'm learning new things. That's every very romantic. Day. Thanks, thanks, yeah. Pepe. <laughs> yeah, sure. Well, that's. I mean, that is not only. Sorry, I will stop interrupting you. That is not only what philosophy means, but that is how you do philosophy. You love wisdom, and you treat wisdom as if you are a lover, and it is your beloved. And when you do that, you are doing philosophy. Yeah, nice. and I and I love and I love wisdom. How come I'm not a philosopher? I might I might have to change <laughs> I might have to change my major. But um, if I if I so might, in his if I might, yeah, if I might, um, Pepe, you're stealing my bit. I'm the one who always interrupts everyone. <laughs> Sorry, that's <laughs> no, okay. I'm trying to work on that. All right, Jim. The joke aside. <laughs> oh, okay. I was waiting for you to say something. I was, I was getting ready. <laughs> no, no, no. I was, um, I was like, okay, here's my joke about how I always interrupt. <laughs> so, so RC Walden's channel is, um, it's about reading. It, it is about, about reading, which, you know, uh, I want to read more. So that pertains, but it's also taking philosophy and applying it to the modern day, which I find fascinating. So in this talk, when he talks about how do we critical think in the age of content, he mainly talks about two philosophers, Plato and Derrida. And he likens Plato as the father of philosophy. You cannot talk about another philosopher without talking about Plato first. And the example that he uses is if you wanted to talk about um, you know, uh, uh, techno music, you would have to talk about classical music first, which was a very interesting explanation. But that works for me. That works. Yeah, he breaks it down, and his major argument comes from Derrida. Derrida, I believe is the pronunciation, is speech better than writing? And he takes the examples of Derrida generally to talk about which one is better, and then he applies it to the age of content because much of content, his argument is much of content or most of content is speech in some form or fashion. So how do we employ the faculties of critical thinking in this age of basically mass speech? And uh, it, is, it is just as interesting. So yeah, that's, that's fascinating. Do do they just? I don't want to like give away any like spoilers or content from that, but do they talk about audiobooks compared to reading them and how that impacts the mind and the and the viewer at all? Because I'm that's a question I have about if there are any marked differences between absorbing that the written word in those yeah. two ways. That's a do really good it? question. They do oh, not address okay. audiobooks in this in this way. They don't even <laughs> define content. I think there's a certain given, and the given is the content that they are speaking of is exactly what we reference a lot of times that are just one more thing. Things that show okay. up on Netflix or uh, you, you know Hulu, etc. The visual, 
uh, uh, content and YouTube videos definitely would be classified in that too. Yeah. So great. Well, give us the titles one more time so that everyone who's convinced now can go check them out. Sure. So the first uh, YouTube channel is Wisecrack. Uh, and the title of the episode is Did Content Kill Culture? So that's the first one. The second one is RC, uh, the, the YouTube channel is RC Waldoon, and Waldoon is spelled W A L D is in Delta, U N is in Nancy. And the name, name of the episode is Critical, the full name is Critical Thinking in the Age of Content talk at university of melbourne wonderful go check them out i definitely am um so thank you everyone for the great uh one more thing this week um i've i've got yet more stuff to uh stress about checking out thanks guys (laughs) to jim's point excellent all right well i think we are actually at our uh time to say goodbye I'll miss you most of all. We're making Pepe sad again. Uh, we love you, Pepe. Uh, Dorothy is here letting us know it's time to say goodbye. I'm not crying. You're crying. Uh, let's start with Devin. I've been Devin Schwartz. You can find me at Devin Schwartz one on Twitter and ma over man. Ma over. <laughs> Excellent. All right. And uh, James Pepe. I have been and still am James Peppy. Uh, thanks for thanks for coming out and watching or listening, and uh, hope to see you back uh, next time. Oh hell yeah! You miss Howl's Moving Castle. You're all in very much trouble there, especially in Morocco. Yeah. Get to it, my friends. Those we'll Moroccans. see you there. That's right. We love you. Stick with us. Um, and gentlemen, Jim Scott. Yeah, I'm Jim, and uh, thank you, gentle listeners and friends, and take care. Indeed. And this has been I'll Look at Yours If You Look at Mine. And now that you've looked at ours, we hope to look at yours soon. If you enjoy the show, be sure to smash that like button, comment, subscribe, ring the bell, give us a five-star review, dot your I's, cross your T's, sign here, initial here, and don't forget to tell your friends. And today's parting sentiment, if you ever spot a large cat riding a train and make a wise decision to follow it home, you are practically guaranteed to find the love of your life at the end of that adventure. So situation permitting, if you can do so, follow that cat. And remember to watch Owl's Moving Castle, now streaming on HBO Max for next week's show. Until next time, keep on looking.